We love you, Father of glory. We adore you, King of glory. Thank you. You are a good God. You are a good God. flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and we will bear fruits thank you father in Jesus name amen alright please be seated Hallelujah. Oh, come on, you're not here. Hallelujah. Welcome to our first service. God bless you for being around for service. All right, so we want to uh, continue with our teaching on the five crowns. Or what we, we call the doctrine of rewards the doctrine of rewards the doctrine of rewards oh we love you Jesus now we have established some very serious truths about heaven's reward system And we have explained that there is a reward system and that reward system is for the labor and the work done by believers. If you have followed this teaching for some time, you, you realize by now that we have said when it comes to salvation, it is predicated on a man's faith in Christ. What Christ has done. But when it comes to the reward system of heaven, it is not on what Christ has done. You got It's on the building on, on what Christ has done. So the reward system is on how you build on what Christ has done. And that comes with labor. It's work. Bible says each man's labor will be rewarded not each man's faith and we explain that there are five crowns 
spoken of in the New Testament in the Bible. We said the first crown was the, the crown of righteousness. The crown of what? I can hear you. The crown of? One more time. The crown of? Wonderful. We said the crown of righteousness is, is for those who lived in anticipation of the return of Christ. And I've said that several times, so I don't want to go into that. But we said it's a crown that is going to be given for those who lived right. Those who lived righteously as they were anticipating Christ. John tells us that if we have this hope that Jesus is coming back, then whoever has this hope must keep himself pure. Even as he's pure. So this crown is predicated on how you live in anticipation of Jesus. We explain that there are three uh, lights of righteousness. Or righteousness in three lights. We said the first is called the gift of righteousness, which is... Uh, God imputing righteousness on you because you believed in Jesus Christ. It's very important because many Christians think that their righteousness is predicated on what they do instead of uh, what Christ has done. In the New Testament, the standard for righteousness has changed. In the old, a man has to obey the law to become righteous and no man was able to obey the law and in the new testament jesus fulfilled the law and declares that a man that believes what he did is actually imputed and imparted with righteousness so righteousness in the new is a gift of god which comes by faith in jesus christ in philippians chapter 3 the verse 9 the Bible tells us that and being found in him or and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faithfulness or the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith so righteousness is first of all a gift received when a man believes in Christ then we explain that the second line of righteousness is what we call the fruits of righteousness. Because the gift of righteousness, which is the seed of righteousness in a, man, in a man's spirit, must produce a certain fruit to become the evidence of what you have believed. So if you claim you are the righteousness of God, there must be an evidence, there must be a proof. And that proves, that proof comes by how you live. A guava tree does not produce mango fruit. So, your fruit determines your root. So, if you, you have been um, given the gift of righteousness, it must produce a fruit. And we said that the third line of righteousness is what we call the crown of righteousness, which is the reward received for bearing fruit with the gift of righteousness that you received. Praise God. So, you are crowned with reward for how righteous you lived in the power of the gift of righteousness that you received. Are you following this thing? Good. So, the second um, crown is what we call the victor's crown. The victor's crown, please pay attention. The victor's crown or what we call the incorruptible crown. We're going to find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from the verse 24 the victor's crown or the incorruptible crown or the runner's crown the runner's crown 
You can also call it the athlete's crown. Because uh, I, if you remember very vividly, I've told you that though we are sons of God, there are spiritual occupations that are described in the Bible to give the believer a picture of how he's supposed to conduct himself and think. So though we are sons of God, God also uh, sees us as spiritual athletes. So in the verse 24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? He says, So run that ye may obtain. So this is not a gift, it is obtained. Now, the verse 25 says, And every man that striveth for mastery, striveth for mastery, is temperate or controlled, self-controlled, in all things or disciplined in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible crown so he's saying that physical athletes go through rigorous training and discipline to be able to win a crown that is today and rusts or perishes tomorrow but we do what we do spiritually in our spiritual disciplines to be able to have an incorruptible crown or a reward that does not perish. Following? He goes on to say in the verse 26 that I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the earth. The verse 27. He says, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway now the word castaway does not mean that you will not go to heaven or you will lose your salvation the word castaway means to be disapproved or to be disqualified follow this thing when a runner or an athlete is disqualified, he is not disqualified as an athlete. He is disqualified for the reward of that race. Are you following this thing? When a footballer plays foul and is given a red card, the red card does not remove him from the team, it removes him from the next match. And every re reward he's supposed to get in that match is forfeited. This is what he's communicating in this epistle. So he's saying that I need to discipline myself to be able to run this Christian race well. So that after I as a preacher have preached to others, gone for um, crusades, gone for um, uh, outreaches, done broadcasting and all these things. After I've done all this great work, I myself should not be disqualified. That means to be disapproved from having the reward. Which tells us that believers can lose this particular crown in the race. So what qualifies you for this crown? Discipline is what qualifies you for this crown. Discipline. So, I pity every indisciplined believer because you will not be qualified for that crown. Now, watch this. So, we can quickly define it. The victor's crown. 
Now, this crown is for those who keep their eye on the goal. It's for those who, for keeping their eye on the goal, brought their bodies under subjection. It is for those who, for keeping their eye on the goal. What is the goal? Christ is the goal. Our pursuit today is to win Christ. He is our goal. Someone says, why am I supposed to win Christ? I already have Christ. No, no, no. It is Christ that has you. In your pursuit, your pursuit is to win him. Not win him into your heart. No, that's not what we are talking about. It was Paul's pursuit. Let me see if I can help you by showing you um, something Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians. Um, come to Philippians chapter 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 3, the verse 8. Can I have that? Now watch this. He says, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dunk that I may win Christ this is interesting that I may win Christ so our pursuit for this goal is to win him hallelujah so that is the goal so it is those who keep their eye on the goal and in the keeping of that eye they bring their bodies under subjection or what we call discipline am i am i helping you so there are those who discipline their bodies exercise self-control and restrictions deliberate restriction restrictions in their christian life they are qualified for this reward. And you got to understand that self-discipline requires the ability to say no when necessary. Every believer must have the ability to say no when necessary. It is a qualification for Christian discipline. And saying no is not just saying no to, to sinful practices. That's what many don't know. There are things that are not necessarily sinful, but they are a weight that distracts the believer. Please watch this. So saying no in the Christian life is not always necessarily sin. Because there are some things that are not sin, but they are what? They are what? Weight. Are you following this? Watching TV is not sin. But it can become a weight when you overdo it. Eating is not a sin. But eating can become a weight, both spiritual and physical. It can become a weight because it can distract you from praying. Am I helping So, 
we need to understand that serving God involves narrowing our focus to the things with the highest eternal value. Let me repeat it again. Serving God involves narrowing our focus to those things with the highest eternal value. So this is a crown for discipline. I'm teaching good here. One athlete was interviewed the other time and he's a doctor actually but he's an athlete. And he was explaining some of the things he has to do when he's preparing for a major race. He said he doesn't eat sweets. He doesn't eat pastries when he's getting ready for a major race. Meanwhile, those are his favorites. But he chooses not to eat them. So that he can be able to be light enough. Listen, a, 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 an athlete deliberately denies himself from certain lawful pleasures. Not because he's sinful, but because it's, it, it has the tendency of slowing down his speed. I don't know if you are getting this thing. So, the purpose of the discipline of that athlete is to keep him light. Listen, we must run the Christian journey light. Following? Tell somebody to run light. If you run with bitterness, you are running heavy. If you run with overeating, you will run heavy. If you run with indiscipline, you will run what? Heavy. Run light. Run what? Light. So every believer must have his eyes on the goal, Christ, whilst he's living. He should be your rule. He should be your goal. He should be your vision whilst you're running. One athlete, the same athlete called Dr. Sale Harrison, he lost the major race. And I'll share with you how he lost it. He, he, he was, he's actually a swimmer. Very, very good swimmer. So one time, they were in a very serious competition of swimming. Then, as he was swimming, he began to hear noises of people cheering. Go, come on. They're shouting. So, he, he knew that he was the one winning. So, he stretched his head to turn his back to look at the next person who is after him. By that split second where he turned his back, he arrived at the same time with the opponent but the opponent won by one half of a split second and took the medal interesting he just stretched when he heard the noise to check who is winning so he turned his back to see his opponent by the time he came back that 
split second turning caused him his medal he was the one winning in fact if he focused on the goal he would have won, he would have won by turning to look at the other opponent he lost it see many Christians will lose their rewards because they looked at others many Christians will lose their rewards because they did what looked at others and that's what the devil is doing he's distracting us because we looked at others to the pastor he looked at a, another pastor who is doing well and started getting discouraged that's how he was distracted to a member he looked at another member who is complaining that is how he lost his medal Every believer must have his focus on who? Christ. Some who looked at the news. Trust me, if you look at the news, you will never feel like going to church again. Because today, the devil is using social media to destroy the work of God. And many of you have been convinced. There's one man on social media they call it common sense family i'm sure many of you have subscribed to that channel in your heart listen common sense is sensible no let me tell you this common sense is what it makes sense that's why it's common it makes sense because someone will tell you why don't you there are many poor people around Yet, you choose to come and give your tithe to the church. What is wrong with you? Go and give it to the poor. Isn't it nice? Isn't it common sense? It's common sense. But there is a place for giving to the poor and there's a place for giving to God's work. There's one man too, I don't know his name, but he has a church where they sell fufu every Sunday. And he says some wonderful stuff. I'm sure most of you have been watching. And you might have one day said that, what he's saying, well, I don't agree, with, but it's making sense. Be careful. The enemy is using different things. So instead of focusing on Christ, we look elsewhere. We look at another man. We look. We look at others and we are distracted for the race of looking at Christ. Listen, listen carefully. If you don't focus on Christ, you will lose on the way. Athletes don't focus on their opponents who are running with them. They focus on the finishing line. And listen to me. If you're a believer who doesn't focus on the finishing line, Christ is the finishing line. He's a standard. He's an example. Don't use it. See, if you, you can learn from me. But if you put your hope on me as a standard, I may one day disappoint you. Are you aware? There are people who put their hope on their pastor and the day they heard their pastor fell, they fell along with him. I found a believer whose pastor backslided. Since that time, he has become, become uh, an eternal Uber driver. He doesn't go to church again. 
And we asked him why he doesn't go to church. He said his pastor backslid since that day he has not gone to church more than three years. That means his eyes was on his pastor and his eyes was not on Christ. Ask someone sitting beside you, who is your eyes on? Turn to the next person. Ask the person, who is your eyes on? There are some your eyes are on another believer who you think is much better than you. Wait until that believer fails and you realize you were looking at the wrong person. Don't make me your goal. I may fail you. Make him. You know, many say, Apostle Paul said, imitate me. No, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, he said, look at me as I look at Christ. The day I stop looking at him, stop looking at me. The day your pastor stops following Christ, stop following him. Did you hear what I said? The day your pastor stops following Christ, stop following him. Today, our loyalty or our understanding of loyalty has changed. And I'm not against anything. Seriously. There are times a, 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 a pastor does something that is not right. We all know it's not right. Then, you know, we find believers. I stand with. I See, don't stand with me when I'm wrong. Did you hear what I said? Don't stand with me when I'm wrong. When I say when I'm wrong, you have heard that I've done something that is not right. I've been corrected. I don't listen. I'm messing up. Don't say you stand with me. Stand with Christ. And pray for me. You didn't hear this. So, some have wrong allegiance. And their focus is on a human being and not on Christ. So, in this race, we have to look at him, Jesus. 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 He's a focus. And once we look at him, every other distraction shouldn't distract us. Do you know what happened to Peter when he looked at the storm? Do you know that he started drowning? As long as he looked at Jesus, he was standing. Guys, as long as you are sticking to Jesus, sticking to the word of God, you will stand. You will stand. I'm telling you. So your standing is in beholding. And you discipline yourself for this race. Guys, this Christian life is tough. Indisciplined men and women cannot be able to live it. Oh, you don't know. You don't know that to keep a successful prayer life, disciplined prayer life, you must be able to, to check the quantity of food you take. You don't know that. It's a discipline. You will be rewarded for that discipline. sometimes it's stressful you wake up you got to pray but you are tired hey you do everything to keep that discipline once you are dozing off you you devise a new strategy you start crawling you wash your face it's not possible try rob we do everything this one is no works it's no works of law this is discipline to be able to meet the mark 
And win Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to win him. Nobody can distract me from winning him. I want to win him. So I bring my body under subjection. Guys, if you don't learn to bring this body, this body will bring you. This body, uh, this body is a very humble servant, but a terrible master. These eyes, you must subject it. Ah, you don't know. You must subject it. There are sometimes you'll be driving and you see a beautiful fair lady. You want to watch. You want to watch. You want to watch. And you, you as you are driving, you pass. You want to check through the three screens. You know, man, kufanda likra santa by. But you must keep your eyes on the screen, the one ahead, not the back one. You don't know. I watched one movie. Go and look for it. It was in 19 something. The title of the movie was called Unfaithful. Go and look for it. It was a woman, very woman, a very nice woman who had a husband. And this woman, thank you, Holy Spirit. And this woman, one day, was going to the, uh, uh, the groceries to go and do some shopping. And when this woman went, on a way, there was a storm that was in the city. Everything was scattering. When she was going, she bumped into a librarian. And the librarian was carrying some books. All the books fell. And she be, he helped the man, apologizing to the man. And at that time, she fell, so she hurt herself. And then the librarian said, oh, you, you are hurt. Let me take you inside the library and fix you. That was all. Ladies and gentlemen, the man fixed it. <laughs> hey! No, knowing the man was some crazy, crazy man who sleeps with women and started seducing this man. Seduced this, sorry, seduced this woman until the woman started cheating with the man and left the husband. In the end result, the husband killed the man and both of them were in trouble. Then they ran to another town and the movie was finished. Now, before they closed the movie, the woman now had another imagery in her mind. The imagery she had was the same session where he bumped into the man. Then she remembered that during that time, and she was looking for a taxi to go home, there was no taxi. There was one empty taxi that was passing by. She could have stopped the taxi. But because the man convinced him, convinced her, she entered and that she didn't come out the same. Now she began to imagine, what if the taxi came and she sat in? That was the end. Everything would have been over. Listen, there are some hello, hello. Tell somebody, hi there. There is a hello that will never leave you the same. There is an exchange of contact. If you don't discipline these eyes, these ears, <laughs> they'll lead you into trouble. Because these eyes want to see and they'll see what they want to see. This crown is for those who discipline their body. 
don't let your body be your master every believer has what we call self-control self-control is not a gift of the spirit it is it is a fruit of the spirit you must manifest it it's inside you self-control is deciding not to do what you decide to do or deciding not to do what you feel like doing you did, did you hear what i said self-control is deciding not to do what you feel like doing we have been applying self-control in a lot of physical aspects of our lives but not in our spiritual lives right now there, there may be someone here who may feel like we win but maybe let's say the the uh, washroom is in a very bad mess so you have to go home there are women that can keep we for one day my wife is an experienced they can keep wee-wee for 16 hours, 10 hours, 5 hours. That's natural self-control. Now, do you wee-wee in this building because you feel like wee-wee? Why? Don't you feel like wee-wee? Genuinely, you feel like wee-wee, but the environment within which you are in doesn't permit you. Listen, there are some things you have a right of doing, but the environment you are in, spiritually, doesn't permit you. All things are lawful for us, but not all things are expedient. And those things which are not expedient are things we exercise self-restraint and we decide not to do them. If you allow this body, if you allow feelings to direct your life, guys, you are in trouble. Because sometimes you, you want to pray. Hmm? Hmm? Are you following this thing at all? You want to pray, but the eyes wants to watch a 2021 movie. And the temptation is high. Why? Because the people you love are also watching it. And it's your time for prayer. What will you do? There are times you are fasting. You are fasting. Oh, you have decided you are doing six to six. You have decided. I have decided to do fasting. The day you decide to fast, that is the day all hell will break loose on you and your body will be telling you the food you don't eat normally on a normal day. That's what your body says he wants. But you have a goal. What will you do? Guys, this crown is for those who are disciplined. They are fasting from 6 to 6. By 10 o'clock, you couldn't stand it again. Why? Because fried rice or watch is sent. I'm teaching good here. Every Thursday is an all night for me. Personal all night. You will do it whether you like it or not. So, I eat once a day. Around two. Very light. I don't eat again. So, last Thursday, someone brought us tilapia. So, my mother-in-law did some nice thing to the tilapia. So, in the evening, we were sitting in the car coming. And we are in the AC. And the tilapia too was in the AC. <laughs> Guys, I was afflicted. 
I just feel like adding bamboo and shit to it. But I looked at the scent and I looked at the go. <laughs> Listen, don't do things that you regret later. If you don't control yourself, you will always be regretting in life. There are two pains, oh. Two pains are in life. One day, one day, you fall into one. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. If you don't discipline yourself and go through the pain of discipline, you will surely go through the pain of regret. It's simple. So this crown is for those who are disciplined, self-controlled. Many Christians are loose. Say they are loose believers. Very loose. Very loose believers. Anything goes. Tell someone, don't be a loose believer. Be disciplined. Be self-controlled. Tell your body what to do. That is discipline. It's, it's telling your body to do what it's supposed to do. And not what it's telling you to do. Are you following this thing? And one area you exercise a lot of discipline is in the area of sexuality. Oh, yeah, many don't like this. But it's true. Do you think it's easy? Oh, you don't know. Even, do you know that it is when you were a pastor that temptation is higher? It's five times higher. I'm teaching good here. It is one area you exercise discipline. Because not every erection should determine your direction. No. <laughs> one three minutes job, successful job, it was successful, nobody found out, can lead you into danger. I'm telling you. Control, hold it. Tell somebody, hold it. When I say hold it, I'm not saying that you are going to be in the room with that person and you say you are holding. No, that's not what we are talking about. We don't hold there. We run there. We run from that place. We call that flee. You, you need grace to flee. Oh, you need grace to flee. Someone says, man of God, in this land, this is difficult to be faithful. In this land, it's difficult to control yourself. Hey, hey, hey. Tell somebody, hey, hey! What are you telling me? Are you bigger than the scriptures? Remove your nose, Mark. Now let me talk to you. Are you bigger than the scriptures? Look at me. Are you bigger than scriptures? <laughs> Listen, every generation had their trials. Oh. Every generation. So you can't tell me it's not hard. It's, it's not hard. Even now it's better. <laughs> Praise God. 
So you hold yourself. Sometimes the best way of controlling yourself is by fleeing. Oh, that, you see, maybe let me just digress. That is how come when you're in a relationship, if you don't have boundaries in relationship, you mess up. You must set boundaries in relationship the very day, the very day you enter relationship, set boundaries. I cook from afar for you. I don't cook in your house. I don't wash in your house. <laughs> you didn't get this one. Oh, there are many ladies who do weekend. Oh, let me, let's continue with the teaching. It looks like the, the whole atmosphere has become, it has become some way, you know. Uh, 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 I'm teaching good. Ah, it's sound. It's sound. Sound teaching. Learn to flee. Tell someone, learn to flee. If you see fire, you run from fire. Simple. So you set boundaries in the relationship. When I was dating my wife, I, she comes to visit me when the whole family is at home. When the whole family is where? At home. Set it. <laughs> you don't know. Because one hug, one hug. Eco, learn a couple. One hug. Like this. Can leave you crippled. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching good here. Tell somebody one hug. Your life will never be the same again. Boundaries. We don't do this at this time. Set it. We don't do this. Set it. Because I'm telling you, no matter how anointed you are, no matter how prayerful you are, no matter how powerful you are, if you don't set boundaries in relationships, you are in trouble. Everything will happen to you. And you always be apologizing to Jesus. <laughs> when the place is quiet like that, it means that something is going there. People are now thinking, hey, I'm not in jail, I'm not. <laughs> let's, let's continue. One person told me that, man of God, I don't know what to do with my boyfriend. Anytime he's demanding for something, I say no, then he behaves like he's sick. <laughs> is it not, why is a stroke patient? <laughs> and I said, let him die. <laughs> let him die. Tell someone, let him die. We'll, we'll give him a befitting barrier. <laughs> and let's see if he will die. He's just playing with your mind, playing with your emotion to make you feel that if you don't do he's getting hey, hey, die! Die by fire! <laughs> die! Ha, 
boys, boys, you're bad. Oh. I'm telling you, if you're a lady here, the boys, you're bad. We don't apologize here. Boys, are you bad? So you set boundary. Listen, you see, you can live a holy life. Oh. Don't listen to those nonsense over there. You can live a holy life. things you can do to stir up disaster. You don't know you can grow disaster. Wrongful disaster can be growing by the things you watch on social media. Praise God. You watch half-naked people cont- continuously on social media. You want, how do you want to flee? You are running to fire. Look at the kind of songs. Every day you listen to this song. Ah, she kele. Then you be listening. Then you be dancing. Then, in your house. You sleep with it. You wake up with it. You are bad. Hey! Hey! But if you're a DJ, it's okay. <laughs> if you're a DJ, you don't have any option. It's a call. That one is a calling. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm teaching good here. So you you see, you must discipline this body. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Because this crown is for disciplined people. Keep the body under subjection. Am I preaching good? Quickly, let's look at number three. I'm supposed to quote a scripture for you. See, um, come to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Let's see the concern of God for his children. Now, we need to understand, you know, in this grace circle, or in this circle where the love of God is preached, which is very legal, we have to preach the love of God. But you see, we need to understand that God's love is also not foolishness. Did you just hear what I said? Last week, I was, I was teaching the church about love. There was a last model that I was supposed to teach, but because of the time, I had to hold on with it. That model was called the surprising side of love. The surprising side of love. Love is not foolishness. Am I, I, I teaching good here? So, if you are living with a husband who has beat you one, Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-two, forty, and then you are bleeding. And you say the love of God says we should love Him. You didn't hear what I'm saying. The love of God says we should what? We should love Him. You you may be in your grave. Oh. No, do you hear what I'm saying? You may be in your grave. So, it is love to run. We call that the surprising side of God's love. God's love can surprise you because there is discipline in love. God discipline.
disciplines those he loves. There are times you use pastors to rebuke you. You don't know that. It is the surprising aspect of God's love. Let me give you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Now watch. He says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. He says, My son, despise not the just the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Rebuking is part of love. Revelation chapter 3, he says, I rebuke them that I love. Look, let me get that for you. Revelation chapter 3. Nineteen. Quickly, nineteen. Look, Revelation 3, 19. He says, as many as I love, this is the surprising side of love. He says, I rebuke and justly be zealous therefore and repent. So, love rebukes. You Listen, you cannot love somebody into distraction. Are you following what I'm saying? You can't love someone to distraction. You have a friend who is in a lifestyle that is distractive and you say we love him with the love of Christ and you are watching him. He's smoking. You are watching him. Oh, you don't get this thing. You don't understand the love of God. It is love to rebuke. It is love to walk out of some friendship. It is love. Oh, you don't like this message, man. I, as many as I love, I rebuke. That is Jesus talking. It is Jesus talking. Now, come back to Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 6. Look, he says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth. So, if God is not chastening you, that means he doesn't love you. If I watch you into destruction because I'm afraid of you, I don't love you. Sometimes you must love people enough to rebuke them. Oh, you don't love this thing. You don't love this thing. Look, he says, for whom the Lord loved, he chastised and scourged every son whom he receives. Hey! So sometimes the word of God comes as a cane. It comes as an injection. When we were children, they gave us medicine. Sometimes it was bitter. Sometimes it was sweet. When it's sweet, we drink it. When it's bitter, we drink it. All of them work together for our healing. Well, I'm preaching good here. Come to the verse 7. Now watch. If ye endure chastening. Look. So, we don't get angry at chastening. We do what? We endure it. In fact, if I want to test your level of maturity, I check it by how you receive chastening. You don't get this thing. By how you do what? You receive chastening. Sam, this thing didn't go well. I'm disappointed in you. You shouldn't have done that. It is bad. It is wrong. It's ungodly. Ah, how do you feel about it? How, how does it go? Ask somebody, how does it go? It is called love. Now look, look. Look at the verse 8. He says, but if ye be without what? Hey, this is a very dangerous verse. Look, he says, if ye what? Be without chastisement. Whereof all are partakers, then ye are 
You are? No, you are not saying it well. Then you are? I can't hear you. Then you are? Bastards and not? So it is, it is bastards who don't receive chastening. Hey! As long as you are a child of God, God must chasten you if you want to grow. And the funny thing is that God will not come and stand beside you and say, Hey, my son! That's not how God chastises. Why did you do that? Turn your back. Papa! Next time. That's not how God does it. God chastises you with his word. God chastises you with leaders. God chastises you with other believers. Listen to me. Another believer can chastise another believer when he's going wayward. You don't know that. That's what the Bible tells us to submit to one another. Hey, you don't know. So, when a believer goes wrong, you can chastise him. In love, oh, in love. Now, you see, we don't do emotional chastisement or reactional chastisement. Ah! Then now you come back to your senses. Never! We, we, we do it by response. Be in control of anger. Be in control of rebuke. Are you following this thing? Maybe I should say it can help you. When you are parenting, I've come to realize that sometimes your children can take you out. You, you, you display your emotion. You may be a pastor. Your emotions, they'll bring it out. Hey, sometimes my son, oh my goodness, he makes me forget all the verses I, I have studied. You feel like slapping the boy. And the more you do that, the more hardened he becomes. Yesterday, a connected charger, he was using that microphone. Before I realized, he was eating it from microphone to food. With, with power inside. I said, hey, stop! Then he brought it down like this. One second. I said, PJ, please, okay, stop it. Then he watched my face. Then he left it. I said, hey! This is new revelation. I, I was emotional. Oh, he kept repeating it. You were hurting him. Never react in raising your child. Always proact. Be in control of your emotion. If not, you will push that same emotion in the child and he will grow with it. I had to learn it the tough way. And I'm still growing in it too, guys. <laughs> because it's not easy. Be in control. If God was reactional, none of us in this church will have survived. So God doesn't act 
or react by emotion. He acts by his word. So his emotions are in his, in his word. Hey! So you don't react. You proact or you act. Be in control. Listen, anything you are not in control of can take over your life negatively. I tell people, anger is very good. We can use anger to accomplish many things. The Bible says, be ye angry. So you are instructed to be angry. But it says, sin not. That means when your emotions take you over or take over you, it becomes sinful. There are sometimes anger can get some things done. But when that anger controls you, you don't have control over it, it can become sinful. So be in control of your anger. Tell somebody, be in control. Do you know that envy is not a sin? But you can make it a sin when it is directed towards the progress of others. You can envy the right way. You don't know. You can envy the right way. Someone is reading a good book. Out of envy, you went to buy some. Apostle Paul said, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. So there is godly jealousy. If someone who prays moves you to pray, that's godly jealousy. If someone moves you to give, by giving is godly jealousy. If someone moves you to study your Bible, you saw the way the guy is studying. You know, one of the pastors told me that there was one time he came to the auditorium. The way he saw me pray, something fell on him. He felt bad about his prayer life instantly. He started getting greedy about prayer. That's how his prayer life changed. Oh, that's positive envy. That's godly envy. But when envy is centered on material things, it becomes sinful. Do you like this thing? So now watch it. Now watch it. Now watch the verse. Uh... So look at the verse 9. He says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Look at the next verse. He says, For they verily, for few days, trusting us after their own pleasure, our parents discipline us for their own pleasure. Sometimes their pleasure is selfish. He says, but he, oh, come on. Our earthly parents, eh, for many times, punished us for their own selfish pleasure. Sometimes your father would tell you to stop watching TV and go and sleep. Not because he wants you to sleep, but because he wants to watch his own program. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock news, but he doesn't want, he wants to watch it, but he can't tell you that Pacho, the pessimistic news, Koda. They, they, they did it sometimes for their own pleasure. The Bible says, but he, God, he does it for a profit. Anytime God is chastising you, it's for your profit. It's for your spiritual growth. That's what he's doing. He'll do it. I'm teaching good here. Look, he says, how is it for a profit? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Hey, that we may share in his holy life. That we may share in his uniqueness. 
that we may share in his uncommonness. That's how we become partakers of God's holiness by discipline, by receiving discipline. Tell somebody, receive discipline. Receive discipline. That's how you grow. Look, look at the verse 11. Now, this one will help your soul so that you feel comforted. He said, Now, no discipline or no chastening for the present seemeth. Has anybody been happy? Just like that for being disciplined or being chastised or being rebuked. It's not easy. I learned one rule from my spiritual father. He said, when someone rebukes you, who is in authority? He said, call him the next day and thank him. So that's how I started practicing it. When you rebuke me, that's how I kill my emotion from it. So it doesn't take over me. That why? Why should he do it? Why should he say this? Why should he do this again? That's how I kill it. He says, no chastening is joyous. It's not pleasant. You think calling you for 12 hour prayer is joyful? Or you think when I was talking of discipline, what was I talking about? Do you know that all the instructions given to you are are ways God is chastising you? You don't know? Hi! 30 days fasting. On your own, you wouldn't have done it. God will now use a ministry to instruct you to do it. The more you are doing it, the more you are being chastised. That's how God is disciplining you. It's not easy. But (laughs) you do it. As you are doing it, you are growing. They said this year, we are doing one year Bible plan. So every day you read three chapters, but you won't do it. And you are not even trying to do it. Continue! Hmm. He says, no chastening for the present. So when you are chastised at that time, it is not, it is not pleasant. He said, it's joyous. But what? Grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, so what discipline does is that, or what chastisement and rebuke does is that, it prepares you for the future. But now and in eternity, for crowns. There are sometimes pastor will tell you, wait after church. You are not going anywhere. You know your heart you are not going anywhere. Deliberately, then you go. Why? I want to go and sleep. Nobody will don't force you for that. No. But guess what you are doing? You are entertaining things that will kill your spiritual life. No discipline is joyous. Tell someone no discipline is joyous. Look, he says, but afterward, it yielded what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So the crown, the victor's crown, is a crown for believers who are disciplined and those who receive discipline. Hallelujah. 
I'm teaching good here. Or you don't like what I'm teaching. I'll still teach it anyway because I'm a pastor. Number three. Let me see this. Let me do this in two minutes. We're going to continue tomorrow. The crown of life or the lover's crown. You are dealing with the five crowns in heaven. The crown of life. The crown of life. Or the lover's crown. James chapter 1 verse 12. This will bless someone. Look, he says, Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Whoa, this is good. So there is what we call the crown of life. And it specified that blessed are those that endure temptation. Now the word temptation is not only temptation to sin. The word temptation there is trial. Affliction. He says bless the man that endured it. You know now the gospel we are receiving is not true gospel. I'm telling you. The gospel you are hearing is that when you believe Christ everything will go well with you. When you believe Christ you will not have trials. When you believe in Christ you will have a new car in six months. When you believe in Christ, marriage door will be open. When you believe in Christ, when you send your CV, God will use some supernatural means to turn the mind of somebody and they will choose you. Hella kumenia. Welcome to Christianity. Akwaba. Listen. Christianity it's not convenience. Many have defined Christianity to be convenience. When it is convenient, then it is Christianity. Listen to me carefully. It's a lie. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Be careful. So today we go for evangelism. We tell people that you believe. You just believe. When you believe, Jesus will fix all your problems. In fact, when you believe, that's where problem begins. Oh, you don't know that. That when you became a Christian, you became an enemy to the enemy. You, you didn't hear that. <laughs> now, I didn't say there are, good, there are no good times in Christianity. I didn't say that. There are good times in Christianity. But listen to me. Christianity that doesn't have trials is no Christianity. Because God uses tribulation to perfect us. Oh, you don't know. Romans chapter 5, the verse 1. Quickly, let's go there. Hey, It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch the next verse. This is good. It's telling us by faith we have peace with God. So every believer is at peace with God, right? If you believe, say glory. Now look, he says, by whom this Jesus also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Then look at the next verse. 
He says, and not only so. So he's telling you, Christianity is not only so about justification and having access to God. I'm a child of God. I have access. I can pray and God will hear my prayer. He says, it's not only so. But we glory in tribulation. Or maybe it's a different Bible. Maybe I'm reading a Quran here. We glory also in what? Tribulation. Knowing, but many believers don't know this, that tribulation worketh patience. Hey! Yeah, sometimes God has to use tribulation to slow you down. Because if he doesn't allow tribulation, you may go ahead of his plan. You may mess up when he gives you one million dollars instantly. So he uses tribulation to teach you how to be patient. Hey, I call it here. He says, but we glory also in tribulation. For that tribulation, work at what? So tribulation is God's agent. Tribulation works for God. He uses tribulation to work patience in us. Look at the next verse. And patience, experience. So do you know that experience is necessary in Christianity? That's why there are many prophets who are falling. You know why? Because they were exposed early. They, they came to the light too quick. Too quick. They had early exposure. They didn't have experience. They didn't have depth. They only had a gift. Not knowing that the qualification for ministry is not gifting. The qualification for ministry is character. And they didn't work on character. They have bad women problem. Bad purity issues. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad. And today, when anybody is in suit and tie, he is ordained as a prophet. <laughs> he says, patient experience and experience hope. Guys, you want experience? Get ready for tribulation. Check all these men of God who have become fathers. They, 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 they tell you how they glory in their scars. Their scars. Their trials. The things they went through. I heard a story of one man of God who slept on student's bed with his wife for more than 10 years. You know the student's bed? They're up and down one. The double-decker. He slept at the top. The wife slept down. So if it's time to produce babies, he comes down. From the mountain, and that's when he finished, he climbed up because the bed was very small. They were living in a small room. God was using that to work patience in him. Patience. Hey, young man, you want quick money? Welcome to tribulation. Pastors, you won't pop it. Welcome. That's a welcome. God will break you through tribulation. God has to break you. He will break pride inside you. Yeah. He will break you. Today I was praying, preparing for service. And the Lord says, check the wall. What do you see? I said, I saw a dirty place. He says, go and bring sponge and come and clean it. 
I went, brought it, cleaned the whole place. When I cleaned, he said, yeah. Never forget that you are a servant of God. He had to remind me that I'm God's servant. And the service that will make me ministry. He had to remind me. God will break you. Tell somebody, God will break you. It's better you get it now. He will break you. So what we call Christianity today is, you know, no trouble, no affliction. God will solve all your problems. Listen, you can't subscribe to that gospel because that, that is not gospel. All the apostles died for their faith. So the gospel hasn't changed. Today, what are you suffering for because of the gospel? He says those who endure, the word endure temptation, I'm going to explain next week. To endure temptation is to endure trials, hard times in the Christian life. They are those who don't lose their faith in hard times. They are the people who are going to have this crown. He says for those who love him, he's going to give this crown for those who love him. That means believers who don't love God are not entitled for this crown. Do you know that to your, your, your proof of love for God is number one obedience? I didn't know that your second proof of loving God is how you endure tribulation. I didn't know. Many give up on God through hard times. It is in through hard times that you can what? Prove your love to God. That you still trust Him. You still trust Him. Oh, today everybody is running away from their Christian faith. Where's your badge? When a Muslim is going, a Muslim lady is going, you see her with the Mayafi, you know that this is a Muslim going. You, 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 what has happened to you? What has happened to you? Today, you can't put your Bible on your desk in your office because they'll call you also for mommy, also for Oh, what has happened to the church? They call you to come and lead prayer. You are shy. Hey, what's wrong with you? We are shy. One Muslim came to work on my air conditioning for me. When it was time for prayer, he stopped working. In front of my door, he knelt down. He was not shy. He was praying there publicly. We Christians are running away from the faith which we claim we believe. When you buy a new iPhone, you do everything for everybody to see that you are using iPhone 11 or iPhone what? Pro Max or Max Pro. Which is which? I don't know. When you get married fresh, psychologically, there is something about you that want people to see that you are married. Me for one week, I was preaching with my left hand. You want someone to see when you buy a new car, you visit people you have never visited before. And you tell them when they are coming to accompany you, oh, let's, let's, let's accompany me outside. Then you put on quick, quick alarm. It, it, it was a trap. You want people to see good things you have. What about the good thing you have? The best thing you have, Christ. Nobody's seeing Christ about you. When you are going, you use the excuse that my Bible is on my phone so you don't carry your physical Bible. Why? Because your hostel mates will see that you are going to church. Look at you. Look at you. You, you, you are afraid of your faith. That's what is happening to the church today. We are afraid of our faith. We put our Bibles under. We hide our Bibles. Yes. Yes. So where will you be in suit and tie? Sit in church row. And the first thing you do when you get there, you tell the people, let's pray. Then you preach for five or ten minutes in the church row car. 
When you are done, you have some confidence. No, no, you are afraid that they'll say you are being too holistic. That's what we have we call church. We have not suffered anything for Christ. We haven't suffered anything. This is for those who endure trials. Ask the person sitting beside you, what have you endured for your faith? Oh, what have you endured for your faith? Nothing. You have endured nothing. What have you suffered for Christ? Have you given your money to somebody and you slept hungry before? Eh? Have you given money to somebody in the name of Christ, not in your name, and you went to sleep hungry? I've done that several times. And I say it with boasting. I have gone home with empty fuel several times. We do this for Christ. We suffer for him. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed to suffer for him. Did you go for evangelism? And someone told you, hey, go away you with this Christian thing. And you went peacefully. Have you suffered for him before? I remember I went to do evangelism some time ago. When I was on campus. When I went and I was preaching, it was a shop. The man was having a shop. I said, please, He said, He was standing. And I said, and I took my Bible and I walked out. I said, I took my Bible in shame and I went. We went to visit one of our members who was sick. We went to the church back. When we went, I carried my Bible like this. When we got to the hospital, everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. I'm sure most of them are Christians. Because now it's not usual for people to carry their Bibles again. When I was, when I was on campus, in lectures, I go with my small Bible. When the lecturer, when we are waiting for the lecturer, I open it and I read it. And everybody come to pass. They've not seen people reading their Bible before because it's not the normal Christian thing. The, the normal Christian uses Facebook. I was reading my Bible. And I made everybody see it. And I make notes. And I'm smiling. Wow! Glory! Listen, do you know, Pastor Moses drew close to me because of how I behave. People repented because, because of the way they saw me. I come with my shirt and tie. And me, I didn't like sitting on the front. I go to the back. I, I'll be speaking in tongues right now. I open my Bible publicly. I read in a church row. I read my Bible publicly. You are afraid of him. Yet you are carrying him. You are shy of Christ. Hey, this reward is for them that endure affliction because they love him. Ask yourself this question before you leave here. What have you done for the Lord because you love him? If you have not answered this question, don't leave this auditorium. Don't leave this auditorium. Answer that question. You don't come to church when you have a new dress. You come to church to receive instructions to become a giant to the world. When I read about what people suffered for Christ, I feel embarrassed. I say, God, please don't call me home now because I'm ashamed. And you'll be asking me, man of God, upon what you have done, hey, don't say that. I've done nothing. Nothing. We want convenience. That's not the Christian life. It's not Christianity. Christianity is suffering. 
your boss can pull all the energy inside you but Jesus can pull that energy it's an offense to get tired for God but it's okay to get tired for your boss for your company hey we are going to get rewards but trust me your boss can reward you because he himself will be under the reward system ask the last time what have you suffered for Christ I'll continue next week. Lift your hands and bless you. Talk to the Lord. You are glorious. So glorious. In your ways. For you are glorious. So glorious. In your ways. My desire is to work with you, my Savior, on this holy journey until I am known.